Welcome to the latest Irish Illustrated Insider Recruiting Extra Podcast. Pete Sampson joined by Tom Lai and Kevin Sinclair. And with Notre Dame heading out to Stanford this weekend, uh, there's recruiting dynamics in California. Brian Kelly has historically stayed on the West Coast to recruit after USC or Stanford at the end of the year. Uh, and also sort of the like-minded prospects that these two programs seem to chase. Last cycle was ridiculous in some ways in terms of how much overlap there was uh, that included Paulson Adebo who was committed to Notre Dame and flipped to Stanford at the very end but Tom I'll start for you because you've got a lot of California connections what is I think why the connections are are, are pretty obvious with the academics but in some ways when you look at this cycle with the exception of Thomas Booker uh, I'm almost surprised that there aren't more head-to-head recruiting battles between Notre Dame and Stanford for 2018. Yeah, it's pretty uh, surprising. I mean, obviously Thomas Booker was was the big one, but when you look at the rest of the class, there weren't a lot of battles. Uh, you know, Michael Wilson was a, a guy that both of them targeted early, but that was a wrap when Stanford really got involved, a, a four-star wide receiver out, out of California. But um, But if you look at beyond before this year, um, you know, Pete, we were going through the, the roster at Stanford, and there's so many guys that uh, really would have ended up at Notre Dame had Stanford not offered or been a football program, I guess you could say. Yeah. Um, but you, you look at, you know, you look at guys like Connor Weddington, who was showing a lot of interest late in the process. Justin Reed was pretty much down. The safety was down to Notre Dame and Stanford. Ben Edwards was leaning towards Notre Dame for a while. Stanford got involved, got him on campus, and that was a wrap. Terrence Alexander, another cornerback that was um, another late-in-the-process target for Notre Dame. I see a trend with a lot of late targets for Notre Dame, but I don't see that being an issue with this staff. But Paulson Adebo was once committed. Bryce Love had an offer. Stuart Head visited. Andrew Pritz visited and was leaning towards Notre Dame. Um, Nearly committed, but waited for Stanford, and, and obviously that worked out. So we can go on and on, and it's pretty remarkable. But, yeah, you're right. This year, this cycle has been a little different, but you clearly see why. I mean, it, they – you see why they, they like both schools. The academics are top-notch, um, great campuses, great great alumni base. I mean, there's Stanford is just top-notch across the board, um, Notre Dame the same way. So you see a right kind of kid that's going to pick both of these schools. Um, but, yeah, Notre Dame's just kind of had some bad luck in, in uh, going against Stanford. But, but like I said, other than, other than Thomas Booker, that hasn't been the case this year. But, um, definitely look for some big battles in 2019. Yeah, it's scrolling through that roster. I mean, I remember Terrence Alexander was a signing day guy. Uh, ben Edwards was somebody yep. Notre Dame got involved with. Frank Buncom was a guy that Notre Dame didn't really pursue that hard, but is playing quite a bit at Stanford now. And then Jordan Fox was an old high school teammate of Brandon Wimbush at St. Peter's Prep. So there are um, there are a lot of guys that sort of were between both schools. And, I mean, you could spin this back a few cycles earlier. Notre Dame flipped T.J. Jones from Stanford. They flipped Doug Roundell from Stanford, and Troy Nicholas was a guy that really wanted to go to Stanford but couldn't get in and then ends up at Notre Dame, which obviously worked out very well for him and for Notre Dame. So it's it, there's a lot of like-minded sort of attitudes at the, at the two programs. Uh, and, Kevin, as you look forward, maybe not this cycle because there there's just not a lot of overlap, but in the 2019 cycle, really some of Notre Dame's very highest-end targets are going to be thought of very similarly at Stanford. Yeah, they certainly are. So I was, you know, just having a look and, you know, some of Notre Dame's, like you said, very top guys, um, you know, maybe the top guy, Brian Williams, five-star safety out of Texas in the 2019 class. Um, it's looking like it's 
really definitely going to come down to sort of a Notre Dame and Stanford with that sort of Texas in the balance. Um, also, you know, they're probably their second uh, highest rated safety on their board, Litchfield Adjavon. Um, there's another one. And one of their highest rated defensive line prospects, Hunter Spears, um, doesn't currently have an offer from Stanford, but visited Stanford in the summer. And it's, you know, it's one of those situations where just similar to Thomas Booker, actually, where you're sort of um, Notre Dame's got to you know, sort of keep their eye. Is Stanford going to offer here? And if so, is, is he going to be bought in? Um, you know, so Cameron Kelly is another one. Uh, I believe he picked up his 34th or 35th offer uh, yesterday. That kid, you know, just swimming in offers, but um, a 4.0 GPA kid and, you know, possibly one of Notre Dame's very top cornerback prospects. Notre Dame could end up in a big battle with Stanford for him as well. Um, I know that he's lived out in the West in Washington um, when he was you know, sort of in grade school. So, um, you know, the West is something he's in tune with. So, yeah, obviously Notre Dame would love to um, be able to boast that they beat Stanford, uh, you know, at you know Stanford um, going forward recruiting these guys. Yeah, it's pretty wild to think back that Notre Dame has lost uh, every trip to Stanford since 2007, which was, I believe, Jim Harbaugh's first year out there. Uh, it's They've played some competitive games, some not, but um, it's... I don't know how much winning Stanford, winning at Stanford moves the needle nationally, but it's definitely something that I think Notre Dame would like to be able to pitch and prevent David Shaw from pitching back at them. Because uh, I, I do think that, you know, Tom, you referenced this at the Open, like Stanford being a football program now, 10 years ago when I was covering this, the dynamics between this recruiting rivalry were completely different. It was if you wanted to play football, you had to go to Notre Dame. If you didn't really care about football, you could go to Stanford. Now Stanford has something completely different to sell from a football perspective. And sort of spinning it into where the coaches and what the coaches are doing next week, um, you know, Tom, we'll, there will be some VIP info on this on Irish Illustrated later this week through the weekend. And obviously this is going to be a big, big few months for you two guys, but are, are there, are there spots or regions you think are, are most interesting for Notre Dame to hit? Are there, are there guys, if, if you were sort of planning Notre Dame's recruiting schedule, they'd be like, this is a place that I would start if I was Notre Dame, whether that be to lock something down or to maybe sort of revisit uh, a pitch from earlier in the cycle. Um, Amon Ra, St. Brown. That would probably, I'd pretty much just throw everybody at him and just kind of see what happens. But there, you know, they'll, we, you know, we talked about Notre Dame Stanford battles. And while I don't think this is necessarily one of them, Stanford's very much involved um, for the five star wide receiver out of modern day in Anaheim, California. Uh, he will actually be um, on campus um, at Stanford for the Notre Dame game this weekend. So another opportunity to impress him. Um, they blew out USC in front of him earlier this year and, you know, another big win on the road. It's, it's going, it's, it would be an eye opener for him because it's kind of like things are changing. Things are moving in a positive direction. And realistically, I mean, if there was ever a game where Brandon Wimbush could throw for 300 plus in a win, this is the game to do it because Amon Ross St. Brown is, it's a tight battle between Notre Dame and USC. I don't, I genuinely don't believe he's made up his mind. So I would I would kind of make sure that they stay on that one, which obviously they will, but 
you know, I think that this is a game where they may need to side more into the passing. Um, and obviously just winning is obviously most important. But you know what, man, if they can have a good day from Wimbush, it's going to help. But, yeah, man, I would I would throw uh, – do everything I could to continue impressing him. So impress him on the field on Saturday and then maybe go see him this week for sure and make that happen. And, and at that point, like, you know, even if you send in Brian Kelly early, it's not going to um, – matter waiting to the last second things like that so make a big impression this week go see him um kyler gordon the top of the four target on the defensive side of the ball i think he's the guy you got to go see um i know that they're they're doing a very good job this staff behind the scenes i can say that they do things um it's on another level to be quite honest compared to past cycles um, the combination of, of, of putting together the minds of Brian Polian, Mike Elston, Mike Elko, those guys, it's very impressive. So um, I don't see Notre Dame getting out recruited anymore. Um, I think they're going to have a great plan coming this week. So uh, it's just going to be different. They'll still make a big pitch to Julius Urban and try to, try to, you know, I know he's leaning towards USC. And, I, you know, to be quite honest, I think his mind's made up. But they're going to do what they can to make sure that they uh, at least put a foot forward and try to get him back on board. <clears throat> and then I think that you see other guys like Tariq Bracey and Jason Owe, um, and just obviously stay in touch with the commits, but Amon Ross St. Brown, Kyler Gordon, those are the guys you go see right away. Yeah. Steph definitely has more of a, uh, I guess a bulldog element to it on the recruiting trail than I feel like previous staffs have had. Um, let's spin it forward into the five guys. Tom, you're going to do three this week. Kevin, you've got a couple. So Tom, we'll start with you. Who, uh, who is sort of like the big newsmaker or the uh, the guy that you think is most interesting for you this week? Well, I guess for the most interesting would probably be Arkansas offensive line commit Luke Jones. Uh, and on that front, just because I crystal balled him to Notre Dame, which I kind of I think it surprised a lot of people because of the fact that he doesn't have an offer from Notre Dame. However, behind the scenes, um, I, I and I've reported this uh, up on the site at Irish Illustrated that. Notre Dame is very interested in, in Jones, who visited earlier this fall. Um, and the reason I put my crystal ball in, which was a, preview, a VIP note a couple days ago, was um, basically I'm told he's coming back in December for the Echoes, the annual football awards banquet. And let's be honest, if a com- kid's committed elsewhere and he takes two visits to another school, it's usually a good sign for that school and not a great sign for the school, school he's currently committed to. So Arkansas is going to be, uh, they're not going to be too pleased to hear that. Um, I know he's focused right now. He's not doing any interviews on the record. Um, he's focused on his senior season and finishing up in a big way for, with uh, Pulaski Academy. So, but, I, but I'm, I'm, I'm paying close attention to that recruitment because I expect him to visit. I expect him to land a Notre Dame offer once he steps on campus. And to be quite honest, I'd be, I'd be pretty shocked if he didn't flip because, like I said, he and his family know what visiting a second time would do. There's a ton of interest in Notre Dame playing for Harry Heastan. Um, the season that Arkansas has had, it all equates to him looking at, looking around, and I uh, I expect Notre Dame to benefit from that one. Kevin, you've got a couple underclassmen you want to talk at. Who is the, the first guy you want to lead off with? Yeah, 2019 weak side defensive end Marcus Hicks uh, out of Wichita, Kansas, Northwest High School. Um, so he was offered on Saturday, and I sort of, um, you know, he caught my attention last year. He's just... That body type, of course, Notre Dame's looking for the, you know, the weak side defensive end position. And he's currently 6'5", 236. Um, it's, you can just tell so clearly by looking at him, uh, his frame, his length, that he's a guy who's going to add significant weight. 
um, a four-star prospect, rated number 220 overall, 14 weeks I did number 14 weeks I defensive end uh, nationally and the number one prospect in Kansas. Um, Notre Dame gave him his 10th offer. Um, a few other notable offers being Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, um, and Texas. Um, like I said, I sort of noticed him early on, and and I uh, spoke with his father, got to know a bit about him. Um, you know, just seemed like definitely a, a Notre Dame type kid. Um, high academics, wants to major in engineering, likely. Um, really a hard worker. I uh, after he earned his offer on Saturday, I I got in touch with his trainer. I wrote an article and posted that yesterday. Um, just got to know more about him this season. He had 59 tackles. 17 and a half tackles for a loss and 10 sacks. And he plays defensive end in a 3-4 front. So he's eating blocks often. So to get those kind of stats, um, playing uh, that spot in that defense is really impressive to me. Um, Notre Dame, I just sort of felt like um, he's kind of a quieter kid uh, until you get to know him a bit. I just felt like this was his second trip to Notre Dame. I just felt pretty confident that he, that he would get an offer, and he did. Um, this is, he's really active in his recruitment. I mean, his visit to Notre Dame on Saturday was his, his eighth college visit this fall. Um, and he's returning to Oklahoma this week, uh, which I, I think will be a, a strong competitor if Notre Dame really gets after this kid. Um, but I think that, you know, this is a, a guy who could very well end up at Notre Dame. I think that if they, you know, we hear often, you know, if Notre Dame pushes, they could be hard to beat. He fits in that sort of category. So worth keeping an eye on. Check out his film if uh, you're interested in more in, in uh, who this guy is. Um, you can see the traits that should lead him to be a really good college player. Tom, where do you want to go next for your guys? You've got a couple uh, twenty, couple more 2018s to discuss. Where I'd want to go is to sunny California. Yeah. On some recruiting <laughs> trips. But I guess if we're just talking recruits, uh, I guess I'll talk about Tommy Tremble. Uh, three-star tight end at a Wesleyan school in Norcross, Georgia. Um, priority target for Notre Dame. This kid is a super athletic young man with the potential to play on either side of the ball. Notre Dame's recruiting the tight end, but a school like Michigan, for example, um, likes him at tight end, um, likes him at defensive end off the edge. Um, I think that's more of a, hey, check out defense, and then when we sign you, we'll probably put you on offense. But it is what it is. I really, really like Notre Dame here. Um, just visited again, which I think was his third trip to campus. Uh, this was an unofficial. He took an official uh, earlier this year. So all signs point to the Georgia legacy to end up in South Bend with the Fighting Irish. Um, but, yeah, the latest, this visit went, went tremendously well. Um, yes, he was cold. He didn't like the rain, but it's nothing too new for him. Obviously, snow, I think he told me he's been in once before. But he couldn't have had a better time. He, this is a kid that sees the big picture and, and loves what Notre Dame's about. When he was when he was on campus earlier this fall, he got his blessing, got the blessing from his parents that hey, although we went to Georgia, if you want to go to Notre Dame, you know, go ahead and and, and you know you have our blessing. Um, but that's something we have been reporting from day one. I mean, this is a kid that all signs early from everybody else pointed for him to end up with the Bulldogs. But that's not the vibe I ever got from him or or his parents. So looks like, uh, barring a, a last-second change, if he, he's visiting Michigan this weekend, if that goes well, obviously it could tighten it up. But um, as of right now, if there was a letter of intent in front of, it, in front of him, I am 98% sure it would, be, uh, it would be for Notre Dame. I mean, everybody I've spoken to feels really good about this. So um, expect some good news on this front. Like I said, barring a, a change, 
um, in the next couple weeks. Well, I'll let you know how sunny California is when I land there on Friday. Um, Kevin, another underclassman <laughs> who visited last weekend, uh, and this is a guy you felt very confident will end up at, at Notre Dame at some point down the road. Yeah, John Olmstead, uh, four-star 2019 offensive tackle of, out of Metuchen, New Jersey, St. Joseph, um, six foot six. And I spoke with him the other day about his current weight. He's up to 300 pounds, um, top 150 prospect, huge offer list in the mid 20s. Uh, Ohio State, Notre Dame, obviously Oklahoma, Oregon. Many others. Um, you know, the one big takeaway that I took from our conversation following his visit um, was something that actually Tom brought up earlier about Notre Dame sort of recruiting efforts, sort of combining minds, or you know, several coaches kind of sort of coming together to recruit a guy. Uh, I mean, Olmstead, uh, Clark Lee stopped by his his uh, sort of season finale. Um, he's building a relationship with him. He's hearing from uh, Mike Mike Elson. He's heard from. He, uh, Mike Elko, who he sort of has a family connection with. Apparently, he knows um, the Elko family through his brother-in-law, who's from Elko's hometown uh, in New Jersey. He's hearing from Brian Kelly, Harry Heastan, and Chip Wong. I mean, they're really all in on this kid. It's it's pretty clear. Um, I know that uh, there's a, all the sort of top programs in the Midwest are all, all sort of gunning for him as well. Ohio State. Um, Penn State. Uh, so it's going to be, I think it may be a bit of a trickier battle than maybe some of us think. Uh, it's not a complete shoe-in at this time. But I think if Notre Dame just sort of keeps it up, they'll end up landing this kid. And I know that um, it told me his his dad has been a Notre Dame fan. He's always been really interested in the Irish. He seems to have a lot of family support there. I think I'll continue looking at some of these other schools, but I think in the end, Notre Dame will land John Olmstead. Yeah, it's like when I was talking to Mike McGlinchey during the week about the future of Notre Dame's offensive line, he made the note that uh, Harry Heastan can sort of pick and choose who he wants to develop, and it seems like John Olmstead is going to be one of those guys that he picks and chooses, and uh, ultimately Olmstead ends up in South Bend. Tom, you wrap us up with the five guys here. This is a, a recruitment that you've been on top of from the very, very beginning. Um as it's trended towards Notre Dame and away, and then maybe now trending back towards Notre Dame. Yeah, Houston Griffith is a very popular name um, over on the, the, the Notre Dame boards, and it actually looks like Notre Dame is much more in play at this point than a lot of people thought probably a month ago. Um, he committed a, to uh, Florida State back in October, I think on uh, on the 8th, and shut down his recruitment. He was planning on enrolling early, and then things took a turn uh, with the Seminoles football program, and they've been struggling this season. Uh, no doubt about that. And obviously Notre Dame has not been struggling uh, with the chance to go 10-2 and this weekend with a win at Stanford. So, um, but, but even, like, right after he, he committed, I was told that dialogue um, had even picked up from his end um, back toward Notre Dame and just kind of keeping things warm and and I think there was some uncertainty when he first committed. And I wouldn't necessarily say he was second-guessing it, but I think maybe he made a decision quicker than he was really ready to make one. And I think people didn't realize how close this recruitment really was. Now, I'm, I'm not saying he's 100% ending up at, at, at Notre Dame. There are definitely factors in play that could prevent that. Uh, and, and he's still committed and say, saying all the right things publicly. So he's still committed to Florida State. But my gut... Um, and then mixed with what people are saying behind the scenes and things that I've picked up, um, I, I'd be pretty surprised if he didn't eventually flip to Notre Dame. Now, um, the plan is to still enroll early, 
Um, I was told this week he got the green light to do exactly that. So still waiting things out. Um, I know we, we had talked about um, his tweet, I want to say Friday night, I think it was, I think a week or two ago. And it, you know, it was four for 40, committed to Notre Dame and had a picture of him in a Notre Dame uniform that was clearly like an edit sent from Notre Dame. Um, and then Todd Light was tagged in it. So he said his buddy grabbed his phone. I don't know if I've ever been away from my phone long enough for somebody to grab my phone, <laughs> put up a tweet, put up a picture, tag an assistant coach to a school committed elsewhere. I don't know. I just, there's something odd there. So we'll see how it plays out. But like I said, I think maybe somebody might've jumped the gun um, on a decision, but there's still a chance he could get back to South Bend to check out Notre Dame one more time. I don't necessarily think that happens, but it's definitely being discussed. I'm not sure it's necessary. He's been to, you know, I, I cover Notre Dame. I think he may be, he may have been to Notre Dame more than I have. Um, so he's been to South Bend a ton of times. Um, he's a, he's a Chicago kid. And I know Notre Dame definitely wants him in this class. They're excited to try to get him back in the fold. So we'll see what happens. But right now, my gut says this uh, top 100 talent, who would immediately, according to the 24-7 sports team uh, composite rankings, be the highest-rated recruit in this class. Um, so Notre Dame is, is hoping to get him back on board. Yeah, I mean, to think about Derek Allen and Houston Griffith in the same defensive backfield, whether they're both playing safety or Griffith's at corner and Allen's at safety, that would be, I mean, never mind Shane Simon at Rover. That would be, that would be a ridiculous group of talent for Notre Dame to have at the back end of its defense, unlike that they've had in, in quite a while. So, on that note, we'll wrap up this week's Irish Illustrated Insider Recruiting Extra podcast. We'll be back next week with coaches out on the road. See if Notre Dame can make some headway on the recruiting trail, but also Saturday night at Stanford. That may change the uh, dynamics of Notre Dame's push toward the finish line as well. So until then, Pete Sampson, Kevin Sinclair, and Tom Loy, thanks for listening.